It is the end of the year, which can only mean one thing, which means game of the year time hmm. uh, so for 2020. We're also going to talk about our game of the generation, because that's the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One have uh, come to a close hmm. um, on their, their time. We thought we might also touch on some of our favorite games of that previous generation. Now, I don't. I feel like my memory, my my recollection, would suggest that typically when we go into these game of the year conversations, um, I like to to try and keep my mind open, and I <laughs> don't go into these conversations feeling like my pick needs to win. Like I just, I, I'm like, all right, let's just see what the guys like, and then between mm. us, we'll come to a decision. However, this year. Uh, I am not willing to take no for an answer. I just want to <laughs> let you know this. for war? Yeah, I just want to let you two spirit. know this, that from my <laughs> personal pick, um, I think it should be game of the year and I will take well, no, no other, um, no, no other uh, answer on this one. Well, so I, I, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it goes, but I just well, want to let I you know. Shahid and I, we are at a, you know, slight disadvantage given that mm-hmm. you own the network. So <laughs> I'll just ask a wonderful editor, Jim, to just doctor the footage at the end, you know, and, and I'll be so, like, sure, I boss, think we'll, Mike wins, we'll, you know. Pick your game. Shortest remaster episode ever. Allow me to uh, to set the stage for, for my thinking here. Uh, I think okay. that 2020's game of the year is Animal Crossing. Mm. Now, the phrase like game of the year, right, typically means what we all assume it to mean. This is the best game of said year, right? So some yeah. people will say this is my personal game of the year. You know, there might be this might be like for, there might be the very various reasons why someone might pick a game. But I think that for 2020, when it looks at animal, when we look at Animal Crossing, I think that this phrase takes on a slightly different meaning which is like the game of the year and animal crossing is the game of 2020 as we know it so this game came out for around the time within a week or two for many people going into lockdowns different parts of the world were in and out of them at different times um, but for large portions of Europe, I know Federico had already been dealing with it for a while before, but for large portions of Europe, the UK and the US, this was when lockdowns began. And for many parts of Asia and uh, Eastern Europe, oh, sorry, Western, no, wait, Eastern Europe, <laughs> I got, yes. got there. I had to do the counting of the, the compass in the air to make sure I was doing that mm. right. <laughs> it was at a time where lockdowns were already a thing. You were in them looking for yeah. something to do. And this game has been a constant in my life and in my home since COVID became a thing for us. So mm. we still, there is still Animal Crossing played every day. I have not played in the last week or two because I've been dealing with some RSI issues, which we will thank a game that we will talk about later on in the episode <laughs> for. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, my wife, Adina, can also still continues to play Animal Crossing. We've always played it in the mornings every day because you kind of just go in and see what's going on. 
talk to your talk to your uh, island villagers, maybe see what's in the shops. Um, so she will at least play while we're having coffee in the morning, and we'll watch her game together as she's moving around. Like I don't think there has ever been, and I'm I'm stealing this this kind of phrase here. I I think from. It was either Justin or Griffin McElroy. They spoke about this on a on a fabulous episode of their podcast, The Besties, where they spoke about Animal Crossing. One of them mentioned that like there has in history maybe never been a video game that was more needed at the point that it was released than this one. You know, like people look for entertainment. You know, there are games that have political messaging and stuff like that, and they're enjoyed and they're they're important. But this was a game about being outside. It's pure fun, no stakes, that you could put as much or as little time as you wanted into, that ran in real time to give you a sense of the time and days passing, that you could make a part of your schedule at a time when people were locking themselves in their homes and not coming out. It is definitely the game of the time that it existed. And just, you know, all of that aside, I've played many Animal Crossing games. Nintendo have done a fantastic job of pushing the game forward. They took all of the things that have been great about Animal Crossing, they've moved them into new areas, I think. You know, the effect, the fact that you can now terraform and change the overall layout of the island. There's far more customization stuff. The online things are as good and bad as online gameplay is for mm. Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I haven't played a ton of video games in 2020. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, it doesn't matter how many I will have played. And there is none that would stack up to Animal Crossing for me. Like, because of my attachment to this game this year, it is definitely one of my favorite games of all time, without a shadow of a doubt. And I also do believe it is genuinely one of the most important video games of all time because of its significance, its global emotional significance. I don't think there's ever been a game that's that's done what Animal Crossing has done hmm. purely accidentally but nevertheless i have many questions for you all right about this game yep i guess i just want to start with does animal crossing make you feel better and why <laughs> I, it does um mm-hmm. i mean it's very bright and colorful the music's beautiful and it's all positive you know everything mm. is positive in the game you know you, everyone that you talk to is is talking about nice things you're there's constant celebrations for little actions. There's very good kind of like feedback loop stuff. Um, there's collecting to do in the game, but the collecting is pretty fair. Um, like to to 100% Animal Crossing is not that difficult. Like it's, you know, so I don't really feel like there's a lot of the game where you feel like you're missing out um, or that you feel like you could lose out on. Um, and... You know, having it as a, a a schedule thing, and also for me, one of the things I've liked is a lot of my friends are into it too. Uh, so being able to have those kinds of conversations and visit each other's islands, that's another thing, right? Couldn't see any of my friends, but I could visit them in Animal Crossing. And that's mm. that's been a thing that I've been doing as well. So it makes me okay. happy on those those camps. Mm-hmm. And, and so do you feel like 
You mentioned that Adina plays every day, but you haven't played in a couple of weeks. Yeah. When you return to the game, and mm-hmm. I don't know if this happened before, but do you feel like, I guess my question would be, does it feel like homework when you open the game and you realize, oh, I got up, you know, cut down some trees or I missed on, I missed out on this particular event or this particular fish that I could only capture on that specific day. Like, how do you feel in terms of keeping up with, with the game itself? So there are errands in that sense you know like cleaning up and stuff but i i kind of like tending to the island in that Mm. way like i like making it look nice um my only thing is uh just feeling guilty for because all the villagers are like hey where you been Mm. yeah like if you haven't been around for a few days they're like i was looking for you where you been and that's i feel kind of guilty for doing that because i really love my collection of villagers they're a great bunch um because, you know, it's like another thing. It's like, it's, it's an almost like got to catch them all, but very limited. Like it's very, you, it, maybe it's better to say it's like um, picking your Pokemon team. Right. You know, like and you have the ability to meet new people and by going to islands and finding new, it's, there's, there's a lot of complexity in this game compared to other Animal Crossing games, but it's still pretty simple. I also actually think Nintendo's done a really good job of adding in new content, special events and stuff. They, they do like events throughout the year. Um, and I think that they have definitely done a, a, a good job, a better job than I would have expected to keep the game feeling fresh throughout the year. Hmm. Okay, so do you know roughly how much of this game you played in 2020? Oh, um, I don't have my console with me. Is there a way to tell? Does the Nintendo app tell you? Uh, not unless you have parental controls turned on. Probably not. I don't, th- I don't think you do. It, is, it would be an obscene amount of hundreds of hours. Like, there's no okay. way around it. Like, you know, when the game came out, I played tons and tons of it and then played some of it every single day for six to nine months. Mm-hmm. Like you know, there's there's in in without a shadow of a doubt, I have played this game one of the like in time, really one of the largest amounts of cumulative time I've ever played a video game. Mm. So, do you feel like going into 2021, this is a game you're going to continue playing? Yeah, um, mm. yeah. It definitely helps that it's a game that m- me and my wife can share. Yeah, How so? Well, because it's like a thing that we both do. It's a thing that we can talk about, you know. But do you actually collaborate or do you just talk about it? It's like a topic of conversation or do you actually like visit each other's island? And We sometimes, know? we don't really visit the islands so much because we see them, but we send things right. to each other, like items <laughs> that we might need or items that we might want. You know, like she might have a cool item in, the sh- in her clothing store that I don't have, so she'll buy right. it and send it to me, you know. Uh, and, and do you feel like, if 2020 had gone differently, do you think you would have enjoyed this game as much? I would have enjoyed it as much or close to. I wouldn't have considered its importance the same and I wouldn't still be playing it now. Hmm. Right? Because okay. I was super pumped through Animal Crossing. Yeah. Right? I was, it was one of my most anticipated games for this year because um, I love these types of games, right? Like Stardew and stuff like that. I love these types of games. Um, but I know that it's it would have been very unlikely for me to have still been playing it this amount of time in because that's abnormal for me for a video game, you know, to be playing it for so long, like nearly a year. Like we will be playing it for a year at least. Like I I I feel like that is very clear. I could imagine after a year I might start to trail off a little because unless Nintendo add have. Um, 
some like major some, expansion DLC. Yeah, which I wouldn't yeah. be surprised because look, we you know we spoke about this at the time. This game has performed very well for Nintendo. They have sold a lot of this game and consoles purely because of it, right? Because um, it definitely went viral about Shadow of a Doubt, you know? Lots of people picking up this game who didn't own a Switch before, who just don't really care about games, but they kept seeing it everywhere. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I I absolutely adore this video game. Mm. Yeah, I get it. Um, I'm not surprised this is your pick. I, I did myself. I did play Animal Crossing for a good like twenty to thirty hours. And yeah, you bounced off faster than I was expecting you would. But, yeah, but you and that's bounce. because. Well, I'm gonna talk about that later. Uh, but one of the reasons was um, I couldn't escape the feeling that I was doing homework and that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, you've got to like that, this genre, like the genre yes, of yes. work games, and I do yeah. like them. I don't, I don't know why, but but I like them. These games where you're like tending to something. Yeah, and I think that's one of the key things to consider when playing these kinds of games, like before Animal Crossing and and Stardew Valley, things like Harvest Moon, for example. Um, same deal, right? You, these are like work games, and and I guess maybe I was not in the right moment of my life to enjoy that kind of experience because everything else you said like it's lovely everybody's in a good mood and it's colorful and the music is great and the villagers are fun but it it felt like a to-do list and yeah. uh, I was yeah, not no, in the I mood for it yeah anything else you played besides Animal Crossing? Um, I'm gonna leave your game for you to talk about, um, mm. but just a couple of others that I've really enjoyed. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, the remaster, is absolutely fantastic. It is a return to what those games are good for, and I have hope for the future of a brand new game um, in this series now. Um, it seems like that, that this has finally been, that the series has finally been wrestled back to what it should be. It really went off the rails for a while, but Really, really enjoyed Tony Hawk. Um, and Spider-Man Miles Morales is, you know, it's my it's my favorite game that I've played on on PS5 so far. Um, mm. It's superb. Um, it's the game that I'm I haven't yet finished, but I'm most excited to finish, and is is top on my list. Uh, it it's it's really, really, really great. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my um, my 2020 has been weird for a variety of reasons, you know. I mean, besides the obvious, <laughs> the mm. 2020 has been weird. Um, but gaming-wise, it has been a strange year for me to consider because it is effectively the kind of year where you can see a clear separation between the first half and the second half. Essentially, from January to, I would say, July, I played one game and one game only, and to an extent almost obsessively so, yeah. which was Pokemon Sword. Um, the, the competitive game, of course, yep. the competitive online play. And I got somewhat good at it, um, getting good placements each season of, of competitive play, uh, playing the VGC format, of course, um, getting really deep into the mechanics, um, into team building, into understanding abilities and items and you know team compositions and all that kind of stuff. And... If I were to consider 2020 in terms of amount of time played, I, I, I'm pretty sure that Pokemon Sword at the moment is 
the game I've played the most in my life, uh, even more than Breath of the Wild and even more than Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. I think it's well beyond 500 hours yeah, at this point. There, there are a lot of things that you were doing, like the hatching of the eggs and stuff, that would yeah. have definitely added to that because it's, sure. like, it's just pure, it just mindless just time. Yeah. yeah. But still, though, mm-hmm. like the first half of the year was all about that game. And then it's not that I grew tired of the game, but I think a couple of, couple of things happened. Um, first of all, I started working on my iOS review in, in late June and early July on my iOS and iPadOS 14 review. And that project absorbed my time, meaning that I couldn't devote, you know, three, four hours a day to playing Pokemon Sword. And I guess that amount of time that I was playing before was also the result of the pandemic got really bad in Italy, mm-hmm. especially, you know, March and April. And I sort of, uh, I felt, especially the first few weeks, I, you know, the lockdown, everything was so new and it, and it was so scary that I had sort of like this rejection for work and I needed to do something else. To, I just wasn't in, the, in a mood for writing and the more I struggled to come up with ideas for articles and stories, the more I struggled and the more I was like, you know what, I'm just going to play Pokemon on my Nintendo Switch. But then the year turned around because we somehow, at least in the spring, uh, we got the um, the lockdown somewhat under control and mm. Apple came, up, came out with a magic keyboard and iPadOS 13.4, and then WWDC happened, and I interviewed Craig Federighi, and I was like, all these things are happening now. I'm feeling good about the work again. Um, and then I started working on the iOS review, and so I, I needed to stop playing, but I was missing the game. Like, I, I was working on the iOS review, and I was like, man, I can't wait to be done so I can continue playing Pokemon Sword Online. But then the two DLCs um, came out, the Isle of Armor and the Crown Tundra. And the Isle of Armor, I finished the story. But as I was playing the DLC, I already started noticing how there, by bringing over old Pokemon, essentially, into the, uh, into the game, by extending the Pokédex, and by adding new rules to the online um, competitive format... I was falling behind mm. and I didn't have time to catch up on the knowledge required to play with those new Pokemon. Well, I think it was maybe more, you could have played, but you got to a point where you believed you were of a certain level because right. you were playing at a certain level. And then I guess getting to that level again would have been much harder, yeah, right? Exactly. And it was like a one-two punch of the other of Armor and then just a couple of months later, I was still working on my iOS 14 review and another DLC came out. Mm. And, and at that point, I basically, I didn't even, I played like even, not even 45 minutes, I think, of the Crown Chandra, which is the second DLC. I and at that, any of it. I, I, yeah. I keep forgetting that it exists. Yeah. And I mean, at that point, the, the online um, uh, competitive game had changed so much that at this point, like the Players' Cup 2, which is an official tournament organized by Nintendo, it happened a few weeks ago. 
I didn't even know that it started because uh, once again, I'm so busy with other things for work at the moment. But also I'm so behind on just... It's like the game has changed completely while I was not playing the game. And so now getting back into Pokemon Sword would be like starting over again, essentially. So all this to say, if we were to consider my 2020 in terms of amount of time played and those seven months from January to July, then Pokemon Sword should be my game of the year. But it's not. And I don't want to pick it because... I, I think first of all, I think I chose it last year as my game of the year, so that's not really fair. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't think it's representative of my 2020. Instead, what I'm gonna say is, since October, I've been playing a lot more different video games. We talked about you know playing Halo on Xbox, um, <laughs> playing a bunch of uh, uh, Apple Arcade games like The Pathless. I recently started playing Alba by Us2 on Apple Arcade. I've been playing different things on my on the Nintendo Switch. Of course, I'm still waiting for a PlayStation Five. Um, oh, I forgot you didn't have one. No, I, I don't have one. In no. fact, I I still gotta start uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake and The Last of Us Part Two because I, I figured, you know what, I'm disappointed. I'm just gonna start them on, on PS5, but I still don't have one. <laughs> so anyway, um, my gaming um, diet, I guess, has been much more diverse lately, yep. which I like. And of all those games, one that stands out that I've been playing for the past two months that I keep revisiting on a weekly basis and that every time I play that game, I feel like I don't want to stop this game, just let me play one more, is Hades. Hades for Nintendo Switch. This is just an incredible video game and an incredible achievement by an indie studio, such as Supergiant Games. Um, Hades is the... It's the only game I played this year that made my heart rate go faster because of the good tension. It's not, you know, bad tension. Well, like when you play something like Resident Evil or even The Last of Us, arguably, when it's the whole setting that make, makes you feel tense and scared and afraid. It's like the, the thrill of the action, right? That makes you feel that way. And this is an action game. This is a roguelike action game. And if you know me, you know that I have a complicated relationship with roguelike games where me, you know, myself being an RPG person, I like to have a sense of progress in the games that I play. And traditional roguelikes, because they randomize everything and because when you lose, you're back to square one, historically, those games are not for me because there's not a clear sense of progress. There's not a clear sense of, oh, I'm getting better. You know, these statistics are going up or I have these new items that that I can use. But Hades strikes, to me personally, a perfect compromise between the nature of a roguelike where um, the levels are randomized and the the enemies are randomized, but also the sense of progress that I want to see in an an action RPG game. Um, So the... For example, um, every time you die, um, certain um, artifacts you can invest on yourself uh, to per- uh, to raise certain stats in a permanent fashion, like your your speed or your resistance, for example. And some items you can also upgrade over time. And obviously, other things are randomized, but because there's some 
aspects of the experience that are, that stick with the more playthroughs you do, that to me is enough to feel like not only am I getting better at playing the game, but I also have this very clear indication that I played the game a bunch of times because, for example, I have this item or I have these abilities or I'm stronger in this specific area. So that to me is incredible. Um, the graphics are just, and the graphics on the whole setting in, you know, your, your, the sun. Uh, of Hades, the the Greek god of hell, basically, and the, it's the the whole story is about you know Greek mythology and the gods of Olympus, and you as uh, playing as Zagreus, which is who is the son of Hades, uh, you want to ex- escape Hades and reach um, Mount Olympus, and you know I'm. Um, uh, I'm a Greek mythology nerd myself, so obviously mm. this speaks to me <laughs> very mm-hmm. much. You know, this is extremely close to my heart and my interests. I mean, I'm the guy who has a giant tattoo of the Muse Calliope on his left arm. So, yeah, uh, Greek mythology is my kind of stuff. And um, and they, uh, but really, the most important part is the is the the gameplay. Just playing the game. The, the 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 pace of the action, the ebb and flow of the game, the the fantastic balance of going from a room with twenty enemies that want to kill you, and learning to to master uh, the regular attack, the special attack, and the dodging, and then you go to the next room, you take a break, you raise some of your stats temporarily, and then you do it again and again and again, and then you die and you start over. And you do it again. And it's like, it's so addictive, but in a good way. And I I don't think I've ever played an action game like Hades before. And so all of those things together, they make it the game that is that has surprised me the most, maybe, in 2020, that has made me feel like that. Having that feeling of, just let me do one more, just let me do one more, that I haven't felt in a, in a long time. Because with Pokemon, it was different. It was more about, I want to see how good I am when I'm when I'm playing against other people, but here it's just it's a very good video game that it feels good to play with my hands on the controller, which <laughs> I don't think you can say the same, Mike. Fortunately, but mm-hmm. um, um, yeah. And one last thing that I want to mention is God mode. God mode is incredible. Yeah. It's a brilliant um, feature that is not in easy mode. It's not like you go into a menu and you say, I want to play this game on easy mode. No. God mode is a dynamic adjustment to your resistance to enemies. So if you die, your resistance increases by 1% or something. And effectively, and, and if you don't die, it goes down again. So it's like this dynamic diffi- difficulty level that adjusts to your skill and to whether you're getting better or worse at playing the game. This is a fantastic accessibility option to make sure Mm -hmm. that all kinds of people can play the game without having necessarily like a watered-down experience with it. So, yeah. um, I haven't played, I guess, you know, I I haven't played the big big games of 2020 like Cyberpunk or Spider-Man or... You have you know, played the game that many people are calling the game of the year, so... But this one, for me, it is. Yeah. It is the game of the year. Shahid, what you got? Well, mine's a bit complicated, I'm afraid. 
Uh, well, <laughs> isn't it, hello, isn't it welcome always to the club. <laughs> yeah. yeah, isn't it always with me though, eh? So the way I see it, first of all, my rules, okay? So yeah, we're going by my rules, mm-hmm. are that the game has to have been released in 2020. And then I split my list. Because the way I see it is I've done judging panels before. I've been on panels and I've chaired panels and so on. And in those panels where I'm actually judging, I don't judge by my personal preference. I judge by impact. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, I split my list into my purely selfish personal games of the year and my traditional um, games industry veteran hat on list which is based on the impact i think the games made and why they made that impact yeah so i'm going to start with the traditional impact type list instead of my personal selfish whiny childish let me choose my own games list in third place marvel's spider-man miles morales simply because ps5 yeah it's the statement game for ps5 And I had to have a PS5 game in there purely because the console has made such an incredible impact. They've had a phenomenal launch. Mm -hmm. Notice how after several years, I've comfortably slipped into calling PlayStation they. We're all very proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. I made the transition thanks to your constant support and guidance. (laughs) I really appreciate it. So I think as as a statement, the game rocks. I've played it, not enough to decide whether it's the greatest um, of the year, but it deserves to be in the list. It's really and, great, but it's not as good as the original. And that's understandable right. because it is, I don't mean this in the way it sounds, but it is like a glorified um, ex- expansion, you know. It's, mm. it's a, there's a lot of the same going on. Um, it's you know the same world, a lot of the same kind of characters and all that kind of stuff. Like it's it's not it's more like Spider Man one point five than Spider Man two. You know. Yeah, I actually found the original a little bit tedious after about five six hours. Okay. Um, uh, I don't mean very tedious. It's not meant to be a complete slight. I really enjoyed it, but after about five or six hours, it's like these these fight scenes are going on too long, mm. and mm. you know I really want this to be over now. And why isn't this character getting finished off? I don't understand. You know, I've done everything I'm supposed to do. And it's just, you know, anyway. But this one, I really, I, I loved it because the visuals are just, well, they're, they're world class. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's very hard to compare anything visually with, with this. And I spent a few very pleasant hours, very late, I should add, which is <laughs> unlike me playing this. So I enjoyed that. Um, didn't play it enough to decide whether it would make a make my own personal list, which has very different criteria. In second place in the impact list, Half-Life Alex, because I bought it. I've not played it, but I spent hours and hours watching videos of it. And this is a game I really want to play. But you know what? I'm going to have to take a few days off before I can actually play it because I know how it's going to make me feel. And also, I tore down my VR rig at the turn of the year and need to set it all up again. 
but I'm really looking forward to this. The other reviews don't disappoint, but that's not what I'm basing it on. I'm basing it on what I saw on some of the revolutionary mechanics in VR and the atmosphere and the visual quality. And it just, it for me, it's next-gen VR, but also Half-Life. Come on. <laughs> I yeah. mean, yeah. you know, it, it's Half-Life. It's going to be great. So in terms of impact, I think it has made an enormous impact. But my number one, which you will probably not be surprised to hear, is, of course, Animal Crossing. Mm -hmm. For all of the reasons you said. So I'm not going to add too much to what you said. <laughs> I it said is, a lot. <laughs> you did, but it was it was all spot on. I also agreed with Federico's really gentle um, counter punches mm -hmm. because he was gentle about it because he knows how strongly you feel about the game and he doesn't want to hurt you. But I agree with him. Yeah. I mean, I played this game for hours and hours and hours with my son. Um, he did most of the, the playing. <laughs> he wouldn't let me have the controller very often, but I did get to use the controller. Um, not that it made much of a difference, to be honest. It's not that sort of game, mm -hmm. but it was really pleasant. We really enjoyed it. We really liked it. But we stopped playing it after a while because it felt like work. Like this is the type of game that has a very harsh drop off for a lot of people. And, yeah. and it's completely understandable because if you're looking for story, if you're looking for stuff to do, you get to a certain point and like you, you will very easily understand that no, by and large, it is a repetition and there might be some slight variation to the repetition, but it's repetition. Yeah. Shall I shall I tell you why I think that repetition was therapeutic? Mm -hmm. Because people needed something to distract them. Yeah. And work is beautiful therapy. Mm -hmm. And this was work that didn't feel like real work, and it was in a world that had order and peace and calm and vibrancy and joy. A beautiful, beautiful world. And yeah. the reason I put it number one is not just because of those reasons, not just because of the timing, but because, you know me, I, I, I'm a developer advocate. I speak for developers. I love developers. I've taken care of developers. I am a developer. Okay. And so many of my developer peers, most of them are younger than me, but that's not difficult, right? I mean, most of the world's younger than me, loved this game so much, but it wasn't just that they loved it. It was therapy for them. I could see it whenever they talk about it. It was therapy. It had a calming, healing effect. What game in history has had that kind of calming, healing, reassuring effect on so many people at a time yeah. when they needed it most? Yeah. And for that reason, I had absolutely no doubt from about a month after it came out that this had to be number one in my list if it was in terms of impact. So I'm judging it dispassionately, even though I saw just how it made people feel. Now, my personal list, I'll go through this a bit more quickly. Number three, Demon Souls, PS5. Mm. I never played it first time around, but it is beautiful. And also, yes, it's hard. It's very hard. I mean, it's one of those truly hard games, but it never felt unfair to me. Mm. Not for a second. And the atmosphere is incredible. I've never played a game that looks so beautiful, so atmospheric. I mean, it's, sometimes I would just stop and just look at what was going on, even though I didn't feel it was safe to stop. I had to stop because I couldn't believe I was playing a video game. Number two, 
Hades on the PC. Yes. I played this for hours and hours and hours, and it would have been my number one. I am not going to add too much to what you said, Federico, because I was just nodding and smiling <laughs> as you said all the things you were saying. I started playing it on the PC uh, using keyboard and mouse, and it was mm. horrible. It's mm. horrible. And the reason for that was the uh, WASD control was not aligned to the axis of movement. It moved the character orthogonally, which for me doesn't make any sense in an isometric world. In an isometric world, you want the character to move uh, orthogonally to their environment, not orthogonally to the screen. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, really weird. And until my friend said, listen, just use a controller. And of course, this is a year when I started playing PC games again. So I completely forgot you can use controllers with PCs. And this is 2020, wake up, Shahid. You know, we're, we're not in 1993, mate, you know. And um, so I started playing it with a controller and the game suddenly unlocked for me. And it was all the things Federica said and more. And it is beautiful on yes. the PC. It is beautiful. I'm staggered at how good this game looks. The other thing I really love about it, which is really unusual, the voice acting is just oh so my God. perfectly yeah. pitched. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I have heard a criticism about this game. It's not a bad criticism, especially considering the 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 what we're talking about here, but it is a funny thing of why is everyone so sexy in this game? Like, what is yeah, that about? Very... Like, why? It's why? So I know great, we're talking though. about the Greek gods here, but like, yeah, I, yeah. I heard oh, yeah. say like this is a, like a, a trope of indie games at the moment that like right. everyone is sexy. I think everyone is horny in 2020. In yeah, I think well, that's what's going on here. <laughs> Whatever the reason, right? The voice acting is the best. I've ever heard. It's the yeah. best pitched. I mean, yes, yeah. there is excellent voice acting in other games, but in terms of its suitability for this game, there's just nothing to beat it. I've not seen anything so appropriate. One of the the, the things for me, which is different to other types of games like this, is even though I had the subtitles on and would read, I would happily listen to more of it than I would normally before kind of like advancing to the next sentence or whatever. Just because, as you said, the voice acting is all sublime. You know, the other thing is, this is really unusual, okay? When you have a third-person view and you don't see lips moving and you see just small characters on the screen and you have voices, that is really hard. Mm. It's very hard to achieve the effect in the player's mind of associating a voice with a player, which is why so many indie games don't go for voice. Right. They just go for text, right? It's really hard because, you know, who's doing the talking? But in this, it was so obvious. I mean, all right. So a lot of the time, I'm talking about the player character primarily here because with the others, of course, you see big, huge pop-ups, you know? Um, but even then, you're not seeing uh, much in the way of animation, if at all. Mm. And it's all just so perfectly measured. But it did not make my number one. It would have done except for Astro's Playroom on PS5. Now, oh. that's my personal favorite. I know it's not everyone's favorite, but I'll tell you why. I love technology. I, I sell my soul to buy the next thing whenever it comes out. And I've always been a technologist for as long as I can remember, even when I couldn't afford to be one. Okay, strictly speaking, I can't afford to be a technologist to the level I'm still being today, which is 
to the degree of a hyper-consumer. It's ugly. Yeah, I think okay? we've all got but a bit of that going on. I Yeah, I, I'm sure our listeners can relate. Yep. And so for me, when a new console comes out, I want something next-gen. And you said this, Mike, on the last episode, that controller, the DualSense, is next-gen. Mm. It's what makes the PlayStation 5 for me. It's not the graphics. It's the controller. And the second thing for me is the speed of loading. And the third thing for me is the graphics. But the way this game connects you with the controller and makes you feel like you're experiencing something completely new, the amount of joy in this game. And unlike you, I can relate to so many of the things. You know, I almost choked when I saw the Vita in the game for the first time. For me, it was like a bit of history. And and I thought, I suddenly realized when I saw this beautiful device in the game, oh my God, that is a part of me. There's a part of me in that game, you know? Well, it's, it's showing that you are, right, rightly, a part of history in this world, right? Like, you know, you, 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 you had a hand in that and it is now considered by Sony to be part of the, the tapestry of the PlayStation. It's part of the tapestry of the PlayStation. But here's the, here's the thing I loved about that, is that. I know you don't have the same connection. I've, you have the great connection with Nintendo, which I completely respect. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, I don't have that kind of connection with anything. But when I saw the Vita in there, I suddenly realized what that meant for you. Yeah, because mm. for me, because I'm a technologist, because I started very young and I bought every device, you know, I developed for every device. I was uh, ambi CPUist, whatever <laughs> you want to call it, you know, whatever the device, I would buy it, I'd learn to program it and I would make stuff for it. In the, in the beginning, you had people in one camp or the other. We're going to do Commodore 64, you're going to do spec, Specky and never the twain shall meet, you know. And then later on, there was Amiga versus PC. I'm 68,000. You're 8086 and never the twain shall meet. I never understood any of that. I always liked all of it. And so for that reason, I didn't really pick favorites. So when I think back about games, I don't think about the device. I think about the game and how it made me feel, which is why my lifetime's favorites are taken from a whole bunch of disparate devices which for some people would would seem a bit weird, but to me, it doesn't matter. But also, I have to say, I'm very fortunate, very blessed in that I was able to have all these devices. Not everybody has that choice, you know? And for some people who don't have the choice, they will stick to one lineage. They will stick to the thing that they've always loved. And for Nintendo people, it's Nintendo. And for PlayStation people, it's that. And for me, when I saw that, it made me feel that way. But that's not why I loved this game so much. It's it's an emotional reason. But the other reasons were because it was so much fun. Still is so much fun. I mean, there is so much to find in there for a, for a supposedly demo game. Mm-hmm. There are so many different ways to interact and play with it. There are so many surprises. It In the same way that I saw how Animal Crossing brought joy to other people at a time when they needed it i i kind of generate my own joy so you know i i'm a really annoying guy like that as you know um the world might be falling to pieces and i'll say it's it's okay you know we're going to get through this but astro's playroom made me realize that it had been a really bad year and that suddenly i was enjoying myself and i allowed myself to enjoy myself and my son was enjoying himself and my wife has played it and she's enjoyed herself. And um, my my youngest was watching us play it 
and telling us what to do. And then she started playing and she's only three, you know, and it was just the most beautiful, joyful, fun experience with no harm, no negativity, uh, no sarcasm, just joy and fun with this next generation level of control that made me feel what it must feel like to be a young kid with a brand new Nintendo Switch for the first time. It's super good. Like, and it is a combination of two things. One being the, the very good platformer design. Like, you, you know, the, it is very well made. It's, 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 you know, it's similar to the original Playroom for the PSVR. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's surprisingly well made for what it ostensibly is, which is a game to help show you the functionality of the machine. Like, the, if anything, Sony have done, um, a way better job than they needed to for the purpose of the software. Uh, but they've created a game, like a good, uh, just an excellent game that also happens to be free. You know, and like there's no mm. harm in that, right? Like it's about as good as it gets. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, I had a very strong opening statement, but ultimately I am a, I do not enjoy conflict and I'm a man of collaboration and cooperation. I enjoyed Hades an awful lot uh, and I wanted to play it more, but unfortunately the type of game that is worse for me to play <laughs> in my advanced yeah. age is beat em up games. <laughs> oh, advanced age, come on. Yeah, well, I, you know, I mean, this just wasn't a thing that happened to me when I was younger, you know, mm. but mm. these types of games, um, they, they do put the most stress on my, uh, on my hands and, I, you know, I do a lot of fine motor skill like work with my hands with editing and stuff like that so i i've become a little bit more susceptible to this stuff over the years and it's the combination of button mashing and the stress the tension in the game that makes me kind of maybe hit those buttons a little harder than i should be just it just didn't, didn't feel great for me physically uh, but i do really think that it is an excellent game and also um you know, it's it's like one of those situations where, like, of any indie game that rises to these ranks, better than you would have expected, or better than it had any right to be, kind of thing, right? Uh, this game could have been half as good as it is, and we'd still be talking about it in yeah. the game of the year. So, if you two, I mean, I I reckon I'm probably not going to get a lot of argument, but I would be happy to call Hades our game of the year. I mean, I will. I feel I, bad about you backing down. Yeah, I feel no, bad about no. you now. <laughs> I've said everything I needed to say. And like, I think people understand where I'm coming from. And and genuinely, like, I feel that this, 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 and the, the thing about Animal Crossing is everyone that agrees with what I have to say will agree with me. And everyone that agrees with what you guys have to say will agree with you. Because I think that there is a divisiveness in it. But I think that we can all kind of agree on the fact that it's like, it's this distinction that I made earlier, right? Which is like the game of the year or game of like the year, you know, and like what mm. a year represents. And Animal Crossing definitely provided for people a type of experience that represented the year in which it was released. But if we're talking about like game quality for what we think of as a video game, right? Then Hades represents a better uh, a better video game in that sense and so i got a way out of this okay i got a way out of this game of the year best game of the year game for the year 
the one that defines the year. Yeah. I would say the game for the year is, Animal is clearly Crossing. Animal Crossing. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. I'm the happy game with that. Of, game of the year, Hades. This is probably yeah. the one and only time we will award Game for the Year award, but we've done it. So. <laughs> I mean, it's also 2020, so... It's 2020, right? This is an exceptional year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, Hades, yeah, Game of the Year, yeah. I, I mean, uh, I'm up for it. Yeah, obviously. I think it's great. So I'm... Um, also, we wanted to talk about our games of the generation. Uh, mine are not very complex, to be honest, um, because the game that I would consider my favorite is also uh, one of the games that ranked very highly in my game of the decade, which is Uncharted 4, I think. Mm. I yep. think Uncharted 4 was the best PlayStation 4 game, which then, in my opinion, made it the best game yes. um, of that generation. Uh, it is just the ultimate uh, action-adventure game, in my opinion. It's the mm-hmm. ultimate example of a style of video game that now everybody tries to make, which Naughty Dog pioneered, which is this, how can we make this look half like a video game, half like a movie, and mm-hmm. you are impacting it. And like another game that I wanted to call out as one of my favorites of the generation is, is Spider-Man. Um, I absolutely adored Spider-Man, but you can see the the lineage between Uncharted 4 and the work that Naughty Dog have done and then the work that uh, Insomniac have done for Spider-Man because it's all this similar type of stuff where, you know, quick time events existed, but they sucked, right? Like quick time events w- became way overused and were almost a joke, right? Like you just like, ah, oh, just keep pressing triangle and you'll get out of this. But Naughty Dog found a way to take that mechanic and actually make it work. And and it's through this this direction and storytelling um, and the, the combination of, of that along with just the right kind of timing for each element so that they, you know, so that's why I wanted to call out um, Uncharted 4. I, I kind of wanted to make one kind of cheap pick which is to say gta 5 i really enjoyed gta 5 uh, it technically first came out for the playstation 3 mm-hmm. uh, i also have a cheat peek like that yes okay and it's also kind of hilarious to me that playstation that gta 5 is about to come out or if it hasn't already for the playstation 5 and it debuted in the playstation 3 i think in 2013 um I know that people really love uh, Grand Theft Auto Online, right? Like, it's like a big deal. And I know that people really, really loved Red Dead Redemption. But I just got to say, Rockstar, come on. Come on. Where's Grand Theft Auto 6? Like, I know. Come on. (laughs) Like, please. You know, like, you know, I don't want to do the Grand Theft Auto Online heist. Like, I just want the storytelling and gameplay that you're so good at, right? But, But Red Dead is not for me. I really want to have a GTA game finally set in Italy. Like, I really think it could be a fun location for a GTA game. I think they know? should give London another go, but sure. It, but they're Rome already done London. Well, but, they it, could... but like, it, the old GTA, that doesn't count. <laughs> That's like, you know, they, they've redone all of the other areas that they did in those original GTA games. Um, so yeah, that that's my, that's my list. Okay. Um, so I totally agree on Uncharted 4. It is, I think, looking back, it is the my favorite game that I played on PlayStation 4. Fun, engaging, uh, look like a movie, uh, great writing, great story. Um, I cannot, I cannot 
have a niche for playing that game again now that we're talking about it. I I really miss that game. And uh, it holds up. It holds up. Yes. Uh, it I maybe eventually they'll make Uncharted Five. Who knows? Um, games of the generation was a hard. Um, it was difficult to think about these games because this past generation there was a clear break for me, right in the middle, in 2017, when the Nintendo Switch came out. Yeah. And I feel like when the Switch came out, I started playing PlayStation 4 less, and I started playing Zelda and, and Mario and Pokemon and everything else. But I still want to call out, and this is my cheat pick, um, The Last of Us Remastered for PlayStation 4. Yeah. This originally came out on PlayStation 3, but I played and finished The Last of Us on PS4. Um, absolutely beautiful game, fantastic story, um, not an easy game to finish, especially when most of the time, most of your gaming time is only available at night, you know? Mm-hmm. And this is why I've been struggling to find the time to finally start playing The Last of Us 2 this year because I don't think I'm in the right mood for that kind of dark and grim experience in 2020 at night by myself while my girlfriend is sleeping. I don't know. Maybe when I start, I will eventually start playing during the day because I get really... These games scare me, (laughs) especially at night. Uh, So then I, you know, I have nightmares later. So I don't know. But I still, you know, The Last of Us on PS4, I absolutely loved. So I hope to be able to get back to that sort of mindset and and play The Last of Us Part 2. And my third game... Also from PS4, because this past generation, I had an Xbox One, but I didn't really play anything of, you know, any exclusives on the Xbox. And I got it last year. I didn't really enjoy it. I'm having a much better time with the with the Series S. I want to call out God of War on PS4. I still haven't finished God of War. Um, I'm about 70% done, I think, but I just loved my time with the game. It, not just the fact that it looks amazing and the change of setting from from Greek mythology to, to um, how's it called? No, Northern mythology. Uh, Norse, Norse. Norse mythology yeah. um, was really well executed uh, by the developers. Um, and it just... It's it's one of those games where the combat and the gameplay it feels so tight. It feels so like it's you and the controller become one thing. It's a quality that few games have, and I think God of War Hades are two of those games. Like a Mario game, if you think about it, you stop thinking about the controls, and it's like your hands are controlling the character. It's a weird and beautiful feeling at the same time, and God of War has it, and so. Uh, these are the three games of the generation that I want to call out. Uncharted 4, The Last of Us Remastered, and God of War. Well, gentlemen, I have to say all of your picks are spot on. Wonderful. And I would, on any other day, agree entirely with your list. And uh, we could just end the conversation here. <laughs> but you know me, I'm I'm going to throw a sentimental spin onto this mm. with one dose of realism. So my... Number three game of the generation is Resogun. Resogun? Yes, because it came out at the launch of PS4. And all of these are very personal for different reasons. But Resogun, because it came out at the launch of PS4, and someone made a meme out of it on Gaff, which included me throwing money at the screen. Hmm. And I talked about it all the time. 
I loved it. I loved Housemark. I couldn't wait to see what they were going to do with this. Everyone in the office was playing Resogun before PS4 launched. And it was just the promise of the next generation for me. And although I was never at, as good at Resogun as I was at Super Stardust HD, uh, on which I was a master, um, it was still just that promise of the next generation at launch. And Resogun for me fulfilled that more than any other game because it was just so busy and so bright and so colorful and so spectacularly technical. And for me, it just symbolizes the launch of the generation. My number two is Uncharted 4 because yes. Uncharted is probably my favorite uh, blockbuster. I'm not going to use the term AAA. I'll say it's my favorite blockbuster franchise of all time. I think they absolutely nailed it with the first one. Not everyone liked the first one. I loved it. Finished it twice, maybe three times, because I loved it so much. Loved all of the Uncharted's, but this, of course, was the game that took it to the next level. I've always loved Naughty Dog. Um, pretty much everything they've done has been technically, creatively, stylistically, um, and in audio terms, spot on. But the thing that they nailed for me that they always got right was that they made me believe in the characters. They made me believe in the dialogue. They made me feel for them. And they made me care about what was going on. And they did all that while giving me a game experience that I could come back to again and again and again and never grow bored of. I don't know how they did it. There's some special sauce in there somewhere, some a KFC-style mixture of herbs and spices. spices that makes it finger-licking good. Of course, in these post-COVID times, we can't say finger-licking good anymore because, you know, you'd have to wash your hands before and <laughs> after and that kind got of gets rid of that, tiring. Didn't they? That was like one of their That's great right, marketing yeah. campaigns. They don't, they don't call it that anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Someone will know the pandemic is truly over. Exactly, yeah, when they can bring that back again. <laughs> <laughs> and my game of the generation, which will be of no surprise to anyone at all, is No Man's Sky. There it is. Yes. Again, for <laughs> sentimental reasons, but also... Also, not, also because for me, it's the story, not just the game itself, it's yeah. the story of a journey of a developer that came from humble beginnings, making a game like Joe Danger, which was loved by many, but it wasn't like, you know, um, a world-beating game or anything. It was just a really nice, well-executed video game, really polished, made by a team that knew what it was doing. And suddenly... It had this sensation on its hands that had ambitions way, way, way above those of just about any other independent developer at the time. And my focus in my last years at PlayStation, my hope, my ambition, my dream was, is it possible to have an independent developer achieve the same profile as a AAA? And they did it. They fulfilled that. But they started in a very troubled way. Mm. They started because of well-documented reasons in a really, really difficult way. But what happened to them was utterly inexcusable, unforgivable, changed lives, hurt lives. You know, this was a really small team that worked really, really hard, was perhaps inexperienced in terms of how it projected into this new market that had not really engaged with it before. And we saw 
the worst parts of this market and the worst parts of the internet and how it affects people. We saw this whole story played out through this game. And then they went deep undercover, <laughs> so to speak, and they iterated and they iterated and they iterated and they released version after version after version. And now it is this behemoth, this enormous, incredible, all-encompassing thing. And not only did they keep their original fans, but they turned the original doubters into believers as well. And they did it with humility and with grace. And they did it without charging an extra penny, which was what Sean told me was the plan two years before the game actually came out that they were going to iterate. They were never going to charge for updates. They were just going to ship updates and they were going to work on it for at least five years. He said this to me in a cafe in South London, two years, maybe three years before the game came out, actually. And they delivered on that plan. Yeah. That's what I call vision. That's what I call mission. That's what I call passion. It was really nice to see them win the game award for, was it best ongoing game? Best ongoing mm. game. That was yeah. a really nice moment. Yeah, it would have been my vote, but then again, it'd be my vote for absolutely everything as well. <laughs> but for the journey that they took through this generation, to start the way they did and to end the way they have by saying that updates to the next gen are free, <laughs> just a spectacular story, yeah. uh, a heartening story, one that one that makes me feel incredibly, incredibly proud to have been associated in the smallest way with what they've achieved. As beautiful as that is, as much as I can agree with you, we're going to have to go off Uncharted 4 though, right? Mm. Of course, it's yeah. my number two. Yeah. But I had to, I had to throw my sentiments in there. No, I'm pleased that you did as well, right? Like it, it's definitely worth noticing. No Man's Sky is a game that I keep intending to go back to, but I know I have to like go back to it, pretending like I've never played it before, because I know, like at this point, just having kept up with it, like it's not the same game. No, right? like it is a very, very different video game. But when it comes to like just an absolute masterclass in video game, like it's it's very hard to beat Naughty Dog and has been for a long time. Um, and I know that a lot of people really love The Last of Us, and I've played it and you know really enjoy those games. Like Uncharted Four is is, is about as good as it gets. And uh, so we say goodbye to that generation, whatever would call that generation, the Xbox One and the PlayStation Four, uh, with Uncharted Four being the game of that generation. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.